Christ is risen. risen Let us pray. Dear God, here we are again, hearing this amazing story of how you raised Jesus from the dead. This story never changes. It is very familiar to us. And yet, because you are always restoring and growing and transforming us, there are always new things in this story for us to see and to discover and to live into. So, dear God, Easter us again this morning and raise us up to walk in newness of life. We pray through our risen Lord. Amen. Our Gospel story today opens with Matthew's camera slowly following Mary Magdalene and the other Mary as they stumble along in the early morning darkness. He zooms in his camera all of a sudden to show us their grief-stricken faces and the trauma of crucifixion in their eyes. Three days earlier, they were among the very few, the only ones, who had actually stayed around with Jesus as he was brutally executed. And they were the only ones who then later on went to his tomb as well, where his broken body was laid in the tomb. For Mary Magdalene, Jesus was the one. He was the one who had cast out her seven demons and set her free from her terrible spiritual bondage and social isolation. And so now, so poignantly, Mary refuses to leave Jesus, even when his life has been extinguished and his movement has been crushed. But as these two near the tomb, Matthew's once steady filming suddenly goes haywire and jerky as a great earthquake rocks the land. Trees are swaying in our picture. The earth is groaning and falling stones are crashing all around us. And a dazzling angel suddenly appears, rolls away the stone, and places his behind right on the tomb, on that stone, as if to say, hey death, where's your sting? You see, dear friends, on Easter morning, we find ourselves standing in what has sometimes been called God's second big bang. A tumultuous surge of divine energy, as fiery and intense as the very beginning of the universe. In raising Jesus from the dead, 
God is vindicating His life. His teachings. His self-giving love. His awesome forgiveness. And His non-violent resistance to evil on the cross. Evil, death, and sin are exposed and broken and defeated powers. And God's love is revealed to be the supreme power of the universe. And now we know, now we know that nothing can ever separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. And friends, in these often cruel and greedy and brutal times that we are living in now, you and I are invited to rise up. No more living fearfully on our knees. Rise up and join God's holy insurrection, plotting goodness, subverting hatred and evil, waging peace, and setting all people free. In our story, the angel now turns to the women and says, don't be afraid. Did you know that it's the most, the most repeated phrase in all of Scripture, don't be afraid? You see, when we're afraid, our, narrow, our vision narrows down so that we're only able to see what we're afraid of and nothing else. When we're afraid, we stop using around 99% of our brain and 100% of our hearts. It's impossible to be loving or merciful or compassionate when we're afraid. And so this angel says to these women, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He's been raised. Go. Go and tell his disciples to meet him in Galilee. John, who is one of the other cinematographers of Jesus' life, once said that if you tried to film everything about Jesus, all the movies in the world, all the film vaults of the world, could not contain the amazing things that he did. And so this morning with you today, I want to pay special, special attention to what Matthew chooses to include in his film. You see, our dear Matthew is devoted to realism, to being truthful. No hallmark Jesus for Matthew, and certainly no hallmark disciples. He refuses, did you notice in the reading today, he refuses to edit out, to leave on the cutting floor the ambiguity, the doubt, and the fear 
that have been a part of his own journey of following Jesus and that he knows are surely going to be a part of our journeys as well. Matthew, he's the only filmmaker who actually dares to show us Jesus crying out on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Thank you, dear Matthew, for not editing that out. You see, because of Matthew, we know that there is no part of the human condition, even when we feel forsaken by God, that our Lord Jesus does not understand and has not fully experienced. In verse 8, Matthew's camera now zooms in to show these women leaving the tomb. Filled, did you notice? Filled with a mixture of fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. The terror and the rapture of following Jesus are always with us, aren't they? Here in this story, we are. Here in this story is the church in miniature. And notice one more crucial, crucial detail in verse 9. It's only after the two Marys actually get going that they meet the risen Jesus. It's only after they actually get going that they meet the resurrected Jesus. As a pastor in Chicago... I had this wonderful, ongoing conversation with a, a dear sister in our church. She was in her 30s back then. She had doubts, she told me, about Jesus. That began with his conception, how it had happened, and went all the way to his resurrection whether it had happened. And do you know what my response was to her? Join the crowd. (laughs) Join the crowd, dear sister. We all have our times when we sit here in church and we wonder about some of these stories. Amen? When we look around the sanctuary and wonder, are we the only one who's wondering? Amen? But the crucial thing that I would say to this dear sister is not to become paralyzed by our doubts, but still to follow Jesus in the ways that are already clear to us. Don't focus on what you don't understand yet. Focus on what is clear already to you. Follow the stuff that you already know deep in your bones. It's true like loving our enemies, like befriending the poor, like caring for this planet, 
Friends, that's going to keep you busy your whole life. So focus on that and start there. Those who insist on staying on the sidelines until they get all of their questions worked out, they're going to miss out on everything. It's by following Jesus, going out into the world, that we actually meet Him and come to know Him and begin to feel His resurrection power flowing in our veins. It's no longer a head thing. We feel it in our bodies in a most profound way. In our story today, Matthew, I hope you're starting to love this guy. He wants us to see, all of us chestnutters, that true faith doesn't lie paralyzed and dormant. True faith gets going. In fact, three different times today, we hear his call to go. Get going. Verse 7, go. Twice in verse 10, go. Verse 19, go. Do you feel the propulsive power of the resurrection in this text. Go, go, go. Let's say that together. Go, go, go. And if you speak French, allez, allez, allez. Oh, we can do better than that. Go, go, go. Allez, allez, allez. Vamos, vamos, vamos. Yeah, and we have a Chinese friend here, so we have to say it in Chinese too. Just say a Z-O. Zo, zo, zo. You see, there's no hanging around back at the empty tomb, dear friends. Paralyzed by our doubts. Does my life matter? Does God really love me? Do my puny little actions in this life really make a difference? Friends, we don't have to deny these questions that go through our brains. We don't have to hide them. They are all freely named and, ex- and acknowledged today by Matthew. We can do the same with God and each other. But we refuse, we refuse to let our questions and our doubts stop us from going out into the world to meet our risen Lord and to join what he is doing in the world. I sometimes wonder, when we meet our maker, if we're not going to be asked, I don't think we're going to be asked, what did you not believe in? I think our dear Lord is going to look at us and say, what did you Believe in and give and devote your life to. That is what is crucial and key in this life. In the last part of our story, the two Marys have now given Jesus' message 
to the disciples. Get thee to Galilee. Into Galilee they have gone. Maybe you're wondering, what is the, what's the big deal here about getting to Galilee? You see, Galilee isn't so much about geography as it is about discipleship and about mission. Christ is alive and goes before us, leading us to share His reconciling love with all people, especially with our enemies. And I hope you noticed that story from Peter, where going to Galilee for Peter means going to Caesarea, to one of the centers of the Roman Empire, to share the peace of Jesus with a hated enemy, a member of the troops who had just recently crucified Jesus. Going to Galilee also means leaving the world's center of power and heading toward the margins where our risen Jesus promises to meet us, often in the most unexpected people. In fact, earlier in Matthew, he reminds us that our dear Lord has chosen to make the hungry and the despised and the naked and the imprisoned the special portals of God's presence. When we go to Galilee, Jesus promises to be present to us through the vulnerable and to be present to them through us. So I just ask you this morning, where might Galilee be in your own life today? In your bulletin, you'll find a special call for each of us to publicly take this Matthew 25 pledge. This pledge to protect and to connect with and to be transformed by the vulnerable in our world in the name of Jesus. I recently took this pledge and I invite you to publicly do so as well and to share that with others. Let me tell you a story about this that happened a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I spent an afternoon uh, shadowing uh, a chaplain up at the county prison one afternoon, Daryl Hostetter, as he went around uh, connecting with inmates in the prison. When I arrived at the, uh, at the gate at the entrance, Daryl told me that we'd be spending our whole time in the cell block for those charged with the most serious crimes. And it's a good thing I didn't have a, a heart monitor on at that point. We passed through uh, a metal detector and then went through one clanging door, security door after another, until we finally arrived in this large open two-story cell block where prisoners were gathered down below 
around picnic tables. Overhead, there was a huge uh, TV screen blaring out some movie. And my one impression of that place was of the hardness of everything. Hard concrete surfaces, hard expressions on people's, on men's faces, hard messages tattooed on hard bodies, in short, hard, hard lives. We spent the whole afternoon in extended conversation with four different inmates. And Daryl just had this beautiful way of finding the soft places in these hard men. It's a real gift. One of them, Mike, uh, was despondent and, and tearful over what he admitted were his tragic mistakes. And he was despondent over the tragic uh, separation with his three children who live just like two or three blocks away. But they're separated by huge walls. He can't see them anymore. At the end, when Daryl asked him where he had been seeing and experiencing Jesus in his life lately, Mike paused and then said, I haven't. I haven't. At all. But then he looked at Daryl and he said, but I am right now through you. I am right now through you. And you know, later on I realized I could have very honestly have said the very same thing back to him. I could have said, Mike, I haven't been experiencing Jesus' presence much either myself. But I have today, sitting at this picnic table with you. When we go to Galilee, we meet our risen Lord in others. And he, and they meet him in us. Our cinematographer, Matthew, now closes his gospel with the 11 disciples going to Galilee and meeting the risen Jesus there. And once again, dear Matthew, refuses to cut doubt and questioning out of his movie. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. He was right there. They could touch him. But still, some doubted. Thank you, Matthew. And dear friends, I hope you see what this means. If our risen Lord still loves and gives his great commission to that group of doubting disciples, then there's great hope for all of us. All of us doubting and wavering, sometimes people ourselves. 
and there's no danger of any of us ever getting dragged off the plane and getting reaccommodated. We're on and we're with Jesus. We don't have to be sure and certain about everything. All we have to do is go, 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 and take our next step, our next faithful step to Galilee. Let's do that chant one last time. Go, go, go. Zo, zo, zo. Ale, ale, ale. Our dear Matthew saves the best for last in his movie. He now zooms in on Jesus on the top of the mountain, and we hear his amazing, amazing words to us. Remember, I am always with you. With you. With you, with you, to the end of the age. Amen.